0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. We started this morning with a worship song that reminds us that the battle belongs to the Lord. And uh, we end the set with He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Father, we we come to you this morning, and I know in first service, just as we began to sing, I was reminded of that portion of scripture in 2 Samuel, where David was facing the Philistines, he inquired of you, you said, yes, go, they went, they routed the Philistines, then the Philistines came back later, and assembled for a second battle, and David inquired of the Lord, and you said, no, don't go, circle around the backside, I got this one, and You said. To David when you hear the footsteps of the army on top of the mulberry trees you know that the Lord is going out before you and God you routed the enemy and then I was reminded again of another time where in one night one angel 185,000 Assyrians were slain I mean I did the quick math God and that's like one guy every four seconds that's pretty amazing you took care of it God And you go before us, and you are our shield. You are our defender. Even as you said to Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your shield. So, Lord, you are our shield. You are our rear guard. We can be so thankful to you this day that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear you. Lord, that there are angels that are working right now in our defense. They're worshiping you, and they're warring on behalf of your kingdom. And so, God, we praise you and thank you that the battles belong to you. God, be glorified. Lord, we lift up needs that are represented by our body, and we ask, God, that you would meet every need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Again, we are so mindful, God that you are the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. And so, Lord, will you you help us even with our imagination to be able to think big and standing on the promises of God to see things that are not as though they are. Lord, we, we see things like the cross. You see the empty tomb. You know the end from the beginning. So Lord, will you help us to have eyes of faith and to believe and to stand on your word. And so God, help us, help us. Lord, will you bring healing to the bodies of those who have been infirmed, Lord, whether it be a sickness, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be some other flu, maybe it's a diagnosis that's come from the doctors. Lord, maybe it's cancer. Perhaps it's diabetes. Perhaps it's some other ailment. God, you are above all those. And you gave Jesus the name that is above all names. Every name given under heaven and earth, whereby man labels something. Lord, your name is above all those names. And so we ask for divine intervention and divine healing in Jesus' name. For your glory and for your name's sake, God. Hallelujah. Will you raise up Sandy Gavitt in the name of Jesus? May she be cancer-free. Father, today we pray for marriages. We pray for relationships. We pray for the familial-type relationships. Lord, where there's been fractures, where there's been brokenness, God, would you bring restoration and healing. Lord, where there are hearts of stone, will you remove the hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. Lord, for prodigal kids, prodigal parents, will you bring them home? May you circumstantially bring them to their senses that they would say it's better for me in the house of god to be a servant than to be destitute and lord may we see prodigals come home lord you're able to do every form of redemption god would you bring healing and restoration we love you and we thank you we pray god your provisions we pray god where there are folks who need jobs where we need direction in our lives, God, would you open doors that no men can shut and shut doors. Lord, we need you and we look to you. Like Jehoshaphat, the battle belongs to the Lord. He didn't know what to do. He said, but we come to you. So we come to you. We turn our faces to heaven. We look up for redemption draws nigh. So, Lord, will you guide, lead, direct, supply, and provide for your glory and for your namesake. We ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everyone said a hearty amen this morning. Amen. Amen. Hey, the Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. It's good to be in the house of God again this morning. Amen? Amen. That was puny. That sounded like first service. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Praise God. Pastor Matt, give us the word.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Dave, a.k.a. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Well, hey, how's everyone doing this Sunday? You guys doing good? We're excited to be in church again two weeks in a row. That's pretty awesome. Looking forward to continuing this uh, as we move into this Christmas season. Uh, We've got lots of fun things coming up. And uh, I'm just excited uh, as we started a new series last week uh, titled The Good News. uh, And we've been looking at the gospel and we've been looking at the Christmas story. Last week, Pastor Dave brought an amazing message uh, called Good News, The Announcements. We looked at uh, how the angel proclaimed uh, the good news that was to come. Uh, and what we're going to do today is we're going to continue our study in the good news. We're going to continue our study about uh, the gospel. And what we're going to do is we're going to take some time looking at uh, an adventure. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph and what they uh, went through in the days and weeks leading up to the birth of Christ. But before we get into that, what I want us to do is I, I, I want to ask the question, uh, how many of us know uh, that sometimes good news uh, comes to us uh, in interesting ways. Uh, Sometimes good news does not just make itself overt. Sometimes good news doesn't just show up and say, hey, I'm good news, this is exciting. But sometimes good news or good things or good situations come at the end of maybe a seemingly uh, terrible situation or maybe an interesting or an odd situation. Sometimes the good news that we are going to receive gets to us by way of sometimes the not best circumstances or situations. I want to give us an example this morning. I gave the example to first service, and as I was giving the example, something hit me, and I was like, come on, Pastor Matt, you're not the most brilliant on this, but I am. I promise this was a joke. But uh, we're going to talk this morning uh, about St. Patrick. Uh, It hit me. I was like, it's the wrong month that we should be talking about St. Nicholas. Uh, but we're going to talk about St. Patrick real quick because I think he is an important character in his life and and, and, and some of the things that he experienced on his way to the end, to the good news that he was going to bring, uh, he went through a crazy life, and we'll talk a little bit about Saint Nick as well, and then we're going to dive into the text. But for those of you who don't know, Saint Patrick, Saint Patrick was uh, a young man in the fifth century on the west coast of England, and he was living the life. Everything was good. He had a great father. He had great family. He had uh, um, established himself in the town in which he was in. His father was a leader. But then, at the end of uh, as as Rome was pulling out of Britain uh, Ireland and some Irish raiders they started raiding the coasts of England and Patrick just so happened to get caught in the crossfire and he got kidnapped he got taken across the sea into Ireland and he was gonna be sold into slavery not only was he going to be sold into slavery, he was going to be sold to the temple to be a temple sacrifice. So things for Patrick, things were not going very well. He was in a circumstance, he had a situation where everything seemed bleak, everything seemed terrible, everything seemed crashing down on him. But Patrick stood by the faith that he had. He had grown up in the church, but he didn't fully believe it until time started getting rough. God spoke to him and God told him, hey, stick to it. I have a plan for you. There's there, there's a purpose in your life. And so Patrick, he stuck to it through years of slavery, and eventually he was able to get free. And he, he thought, I'm doing it. This is great. My life is coming to it. To like, I'm, I'm going to be free. I get to go to, to England. I get to hang out with my family again. And he gets there, and God calls him to go back into the hornet's nest. God calls him to go back to Ireland to be a missionary. So Patrick, he says, you know what? This isn't exactly what I had planned, but I'm going to go. I'm going to follow God's call on my life. That's an encouragement because Patrick he goes and he goes to Ireland and through Patrick we see Ireland begin to shift from a a, a Druidism to Christianity. Within a couple generations of Saint Patrick we have the 12 apostles of Ireland, these amazing church leaders in Ireland and from there at the end of the dark ages from Ireland Christianity goes back into a Europe that had been torn by war or Europe that had been torn apart by famine and Christianity comes from Ireland, and Europe begins to be saved as a result of the faithfulness of Patrick going through hard circumstances, going through hard situations, but at the end of it, there was good news. Now we should talk about St. Patrick, or or, or St. Nicholas, because it's Christmas time. Uh, St. Nick didn't have the name Santa Claus, but he was a a real historical figure. His name was Nicholas of Myrna. He, He lived in Greece, and he was a bishop. Why is all this important? Well, he also had a crazy life. He also had an adventure that he was on that was gnarly. His adventure did not include reindeers and sleigh, didn't include an abominable snowman like the movie, but his adventure uh, included persecution from the Roman Empire at a time at the end of the 4th century when persecution in Rome was at its peak. But he stuck to it. He said, you know what, I've been called to something, I've been living out my life as a Christ follower, and now everything comes crashing down around me, but I'm going to stick to it, because I know that God has something for me through this. And at the end, persecution begins to to, to wane, And Christianity begins to find favor in the Roman Empire, so much so that the Roman Emperor Constantine, he calls a council, and hundreds of bishops come to this council. And it's at this council that a guy by the name of Arius, a a, a bishop from Egypt, he he steps up and he begins to to declare a truth about Jesus, that it wasn't a truth, it it was scripturally inaccurate, it was a heresy. And St. Nicholas was so frustrated by this, Legend has it that St. Nicholas walks down as Arius is giving his defense of his heresy and St. Nicholas smacks him across the face. So if you're, if you're looking for great Santa Claus stories, they need to make a, a, a Santa Claus the, the Heretic Smacker movie. But he, I mean, he goes down and, and, and it's recorded that he says, I will not let someone freely deface the name of Christ for all that we have gone through. It, it, it's likely that Nicholas was covered in scars, covered in, in, in lasting uh, 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 signs that he had gone through such great persecution. And he said, no, I'm going to stand for the gospel. And it was there at that council where we have some of the things that we claim today as our bedrock for theology came as a result of men like Nicholas making a stand for the faith even when things were crushing on all sides. And so what we're going to do today uh, is we're going to continue in our Christmas uh, story as, uh, as we look at Luke chapter 2. Flip with, you, flip with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 as we're going to spend some time looking at the good news and we're going to look at it by way of an adventure. Week 1 was the announcement. Week 2 is the adventure. This is what it says, picking up in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that your word cuts through the bone and the marrow to the soul and to the spirit, God, and you reveal to us the motives and the intentions of our hearts. God, you you have something to say to us today. God, your word is not just some archaic textbook. Your word is not just some chronicle of historical events. God, though it is historical, God, it also has theological truth and supernatural implication in our lives. God, I pray that this morning as we spend the time, God, to study your word, God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, God, what your spirit is saying. God, you would, you would till the soil of our heart so that it, as we hear the word of God, the seeds planted, God, that they will fall on good soil, God, and when, that we will grow, that we will mature in our faith. God, your word tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this morning, Lord, as we spend time looking at your word, God, I pray that you would build us up. God, that you would challenge us in the way we live our lives. God, that you would challenge us in the way we look at our circumstances and our situations. God, I pray that you would inspire us. God, that you would inspire us to live more like you. Taking the words of Paul to heart, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. God, I pray that we would emulate you in the way that we live our lives. God, and I pray that we would be encouraged. God, that in a year and in a time where there's so much discouragement, God, I pray that when we approach your word, God, that you would give us encouragement. God, that you would give us hearts to receive the impartation from your word. God, I pray that these would not be my words, but God, you who sit and go through the motions, we're called to not only be disciple-makers, but we're to be students of God's Word. There's a mission for us. We have a co-mission. God called us to go into all the world, and one of the things that he called us to do is to teach the things which he taught. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says they spent time teaching the apostles' doctrine, the scriptures. So as as effective disciple-makers, as effective followers of Christ, we need to be people who study God's Word. Spend some time studying God's Word, reading God's Word, seeing what it has to say. And and here's here's the beauty of all this. When it comes to these contradictions against Scripture, the best place to look for the answer is in Scripture. Because here's the thing, Luke is brilliant. And not only is Luke brilliant, but Luke's inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is pretty brilliant. I mean, that's the understatement of the morning. Okay, Luke not only wrote the Gospel of Luke, but Luke writes the book of Acts. Okay, and Acts chronicles the history of the early church. It is in the book of Acts that Luke actually references the 6 A.D. census by Quirinius that Josephus mentions. Many historians and theologians have taken a look at ancient Roman censuses, and they have deduced that censuses took upwards of 10 years sometimes. You had a very vast empire. You had all sorts of leaders in charge all throughout the empire, and it took time to compile all the data. So many historians believe that the census that occurred under Caesar Augustus started as early as potentially 6 B.C. Others say it took place in 4 B.C. Now, if you remember what I said about three minutes ago, most scholars believe Jesus was born in 4 B.C. So we have a contradiction supposedly, but when we use Scripture as an internal evidence and as an internal reference, we can see the reality of, of its own historical accuracy, as well as many things. And we could spend all morning talking about this. This is, uh, this is something I'm passionate about, uh, but we can't do that this morning. We're going to dive into the message. Amen? Okay, cool, cool. So let's dive in. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, the title of this morning's message is Good News, The Adventure, and we're going to look at Mary and Joseph on their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a 90-mile journey. So our first point this morning is this adventure was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. This was a 90-mile journey, uh, and it was not a time that they would normally travel. You see, for a Jewish male in the first century and for many centuries of Jewish history, a Jewish male would go to Jerusalem from wherever they were in the known world. So whether it was the Roman Empire or the Babylonian Empire or during the times of the Greeks or between the two kingdoms, no matter when it was in history— three times a year a Jewish male was required by Jewish law to return to Jerusalem for a specific feast or festival. Three, the the main three that they were required to go to and that they were encouraged to bring their families with them were Passover in the early spring, Pentecost in the mid-spring, and then the Feast of Tabernacles in mid-fall. These were times of the year where Jewish men were required to go back to Jerusalem. And You might be saying, well, that sounds good, like, great, three times a year. But let's wrap our minds around this for for a second. This was not just a religious thing. This was socioeconomic. This was their social life. It was their religious life. All their finances were connected to this. They had to plan out their year. They had to plan out their work schedules. They had to plan out how they were going to do all of their interactions with business and all these things that were centered and focused around when they were going to travel to Jerusalem. Now I don't know about you, but I'm kind of the king of procrastinating. I don't know if that's a good thing to brag about, uh, but I am. And when I travel, uh, I wait to the very last minute to get ready. Uh, You can ask my wife, it drives her crazy. Uh, I will start packing probably 30 minutes before we have to go to the airport. But at the end of the day, I know where my stuff is, I know where my bag is, I'm ready to go, let's do it. My wife's a lot better because she prepares and she spends time preparing and she'll set aside clothes that she knows she's gonna wear. She folds them and sets them aside. She'll have the bag out in our room two weeks in advance and when she's done with something that she knows she's not gonna wear, she puts it in the bag. So when it's time to go, she's got her bag ready to go and it's really impressive. I haven't learned it yet, but guess what? When your plans change and you have to leave the day before you were planning on leaving and you procrastinate and all your clothes are in the washing machine and now you have no clothes to pack because you weren't planning ahead, things can get really frustrating. They also get frustrating when you plan ahead and you're like, okay, I'm going to do the laundry on this day. And now when you have to leave a day before, you have no clothes. Here's the reality, and this is why I'm saying all this. Mary and Joseph They knew their calendar. They knew their schedule. And Joseph knew, I have to go to Jerusalem once at the beginning of spring, once in the middle of spring, and once in fall. And I'm going to plan my entire schedule around that. Joseph was a carpenter. Maybe he had his own woodworking shop in Nazareth. And maybe he was making sure he had all his tables and chairs lined up that he knew, i got to do all this, here's my deadline, because I leave the last week of September to get to Jerusalem by the first week of October for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now notice the importance of me saying September and the beginning of October for the Feast of Tabernacles. Many theologians believe that Jesus was born probably somewhere around the third week of September. There's all reasons for that, and and you can ask me about it after service. But here's the thing. They are on their way... If Jesus was born in the third week of September, they're arriving in Bethlehem around that time, because Jesus is born here while they're in Bethlehem. They're arriving in Bethlehem two or three weeks earlier than they would have for the Feast of Tabernacles. It means their calendar, their schedule had a monkey wrench thrown in it. How, How they were living their lives was completely interrupted by something, the something being the census. Who gave the census? The government. Anyone here, maybe this year, had something in your life, a monkey wrench thrown in it because of the government or because of a circumstance, society, all these kind of things? It can mess up your normal life. Life is an adventure. And sometimes that adventure is a wild ride. And Mary and Joseph, they were experiencing it. This was something out of the norm. And they could have. They could have been frustrated about it. and maybe they were. But what we do know is they followed through with what was told of them to do. Joseph could have been like, "You know what? No, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait until tabernacles, and they can count me then. But no, Joseph, he goes. And, and yes, his circumstances and his situations are messed up, but he's going. And, and, and this is what I want us to do. I, I want us to remember at the beginning we said sometimes good news comes through very weird and odd ways. Some, sometimes things that we are not expecting. So not only was this a wild ride, but it was also a time where they faced wild circumstances. Mary and Joseph, a, a, a part of this that we sometimes can gloss over, they weren't married yet, but they're traveling. And in the Jewish culture of the first century, there were some very strict rules about a betrothed man and a betrothed woman. I'm not just talking about sharing housing. We're talking about separation, where they're not supposed to see each other for a prescribed time. And, and, and so things are already getting awkward. Things are already getting wild in their circumstances, let alone the fact when they get to Bethlehem. We know the story. They went and there was no room for them in the inn. And I have this picture in my mind, and maybe you had this picture too, that Mary and Joseph, they show up on Christmas Eve, she's about ready to give birth, so they can't find a place to go. They're knocking on the door, Motel 6 is closed, Holiday Inn is closed, they're looking for a place, and they can't find anywhere, so she's about to give birth, so they just gotta go hightail it to the nearest manger. And that's a picture I had in my mind, but I learned more recently that the word inn is the Greek word kataluma, which literally translates as guest room. So not only were they looking for an inn, but inn is actually guest room, which means, and we can know this from Luke chapter 2, Joseph was going to his father's house, to the city of his father's. So the wild circumstance that Joseph is facing is not just the hubbub of everyone's in town. He's going home, knocking on the door and saying, hey dad, I'm here. My fiance's here. Yep, she's pregnant. Uh, Can we stay? Like, this could have been very awkward for Joseph. And we're told that there was not even a guest room for them at home. And so we don't know the full circumstances but we know that Joseph was a devout Jewish man, probably from a devout Jewish family. There would have been all sorts of questions and rumors and embarrassments that his family could have been facing. His life was getting radically changed, and things were getting very, very crazy for Joseph and for Mary at this time. So they continue, and they don't just stay at home. They end up staying in a manger. They they stay in the stables. Now, we don't have time this morning to talk about Jewish uh, architecture and how the house was all put together, but just imagine a a garage underneath the first story of the house. That's kind of what the stable was. They'd bring all the animals in, and then the animals would hang out downstairs. Sometimes the kids would have slumber parties down there. But this is where Mary and Joseph are able to stay, and it is there that Jesus is born. And that brings us to the third point, which is this wild outcome. Luke chapter 2 verse 6 says this, And so it came to pass while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. Tenuous circumstance, crazy times, wild adventure, wild ride, wild circumstances leading to a wild outcome. The good news. What had been promised to Mary, what had been promised to Joseph is coming to fruition by means of a crazy, crazy adventure. We know the story they know who was being born, the world would soon know. But Messiah was born that night. The good news came to all men. And, and, and here's the part that I really want to focus on, and I purposely left this out at the very beginning. You see, if, if Mary and Joseph did not go to Bethlehem, if, if, if this crazy circumstance, this crazy situation, this random census put in place by the Roman governor over these Jewish folk, messing up their calendar, messing up their schedule, if this would not have happened, Jesus would have been born in Nazareth. Jesus would have been born in Nazareth. You might say, okay, well, he would have been born in the ancient world. No, this is important because it was foretold and prophesied that Messiah would come from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth. But you see, sometimes God uses crazy vehicles to get us to where he needs us to be. Sometimes God uses crazy situations. Sometimes God uses government lockdowns and shutdowns where we're not able to be in church for 10 months for God to do something amazing. Now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your circumstances and your situations are in life. But I know this. We are all on a journey. We are all on an adventure. And sometimes our adventures are super fun. Sometimes our adventures really suck. But at the end of the day, if your faith and your hope and your trust is in Jesus Christ, no matter what your circumstances are, you have a hope that good news is at the end. Peter tells us to be ready in season and out to give a defense, and answer for the hope that we have. When you put your faith in Jesus, we have an ultimate hope. Hope is not something we use it in the English language to say, oh, I hope that happens, or it's an uncertainty. But hope, literally, the Greek word that means hope, that we translate hope, literally means the absolute expectancy of good to come so no matter what our adventure no matter what our journey we have absolute hope absolute expectancy that there is good at the end and so this morning how i want to close before we go to the communion table life is an adventure this is what joseph went through not joseph we talked about now but joseph all the way back in genesis he he was imprisoned in egypt it was a terrible situation, but this is what he says. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this day to save many people. God used a terrible situation to save a nation. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, twenty nine eleven. he says this. For I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Romans 8 Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, and I love this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for those who walk uprightly. No matter where you are at today on your adventure The good news is that when we walk uprightly, when we put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ, he will see us through till the end. His word tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. He fights for us. We sang that song this morning. He is the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness. We have a sure hope. And so I'm gonna ask everyone this morning if we would close our eyes and bow our heads. We're gonna come to the Lord in a time of prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a terrible time. Maybe you're here this morning, your year has sucked. Maybe you're here and your current exact situation that you're in right now, you can't even begin to define it because it is so immensely terrible. You serve a God who loves you and wants to see you through it. And maybe you're here this morning and you hear about hope and you hear about a God who wants to help you in your hopelessness, but you have never put your faith in Jesus This morning, before we go to prayer for our circumstances, we want to give the opportunity to Jesus Christ to receive Jesus this morning. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, and that if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. So this morning, by way of, uh, it's private between you and God, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do that by raising your hand, making a public declaration. All our eyes are closed, but you and God, you're making a public declaration. I'm serving you. I want to put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. Is there anyone here today who would raise their hand and say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ? Also along with that, maybe you're here this morning and you have been serving the Lord, but you're in a hopeless situation. And you say, I need the Lord to come to bring me comfort, to to give me encouragement, to lift me up in my circumstance. Life is a journey, and right now, I'm ready to give up. If you're here this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would like it if you would raise your hand, make that statement, hey, I'm going through a hard time, and I could use some of that love and encouragement from the Lord. Right? I see those hands. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, you're a good God. God, we thank you that you hear us when we pray. God, we thank you that you loved us so much. God, that before any of us were born, God, you made a way for us to be made right with you. And God, you, God, you love. And you see the circumstances, you see the hurts, you see the hardships and the frustrations that we go through in our life. And God, you're not afar off. God, your word tells us, your word encourages us that you are there. When we are in the fires, you are there. God, when we're in the storm, you're there. When the water seems to be rising all around us, God, you are there, and your word tells us we will not be harmed. God, you tell us to come unto you when we are burdened and heavy labored. God, you will give us rest. God, your word tells us that you enfold us in your wings and you protect us. God, you lift us up on wings like eagles. We will run and we will not grow faint. We will walk and we will not grow weary. God, you are a good God and you care for us. And in this moment, God, we are praying and we are coming before you. And God, we are saying we know life is an adventure. God, we've faced wild circumstances And God, today we need your help. So God, I pray that you, by your Spirit, you would give comfort. God, that you would fill us anew with your Spirit. Give us wisdom and discernment in our situations and circumstances. God, give us supernatural strength to overcome. God, give us the strength to hear and know the voice. God, the voice when you're speaking to us, God. Help us us to, to shut out the voice of the enemy when he's telling us lies. But God, may we focus solely on you. God, knowing that you work out all things to the good of those who are loved by God and called according to his purposes. God, affirm us of our call. Remind us of our love. God, may we stand strong through no matter what life throws our way. God, we thank you, we praise you, in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.